Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome, 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 welcome into World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST. Get involved in the Twitter sphere at World Soccer Talk to get a hold of all of us and at Sports Byline USA. Also, a good follow to keep track of all your favorite Sports Byline programs. Kevin Egan of BN Sports is going to be our guest in this edition of the show. Fantastic work from Kevin and our good friends Terry Lee and Gary Bailey during the Capital One Cup semifinals. Uh, First off between Liverpool and Stoke, that wild one that went all the way to penalties at Anfield in the second leg. And then another wild one with Manchester City coming back from the dead to defeat Everton and set up a I got to say, quite mouthwatering League Cup final. Do I have to continue calling it the Capital One Cup? Is it the Carling Cup, the Capital One Cup, the Coca-Cola Cup? Can I just call it the League Cup? Can I just be nostalgic and call it by its old formal name? Or do I have to continue giving Capital One my sponsorship and asking everybody, what's in your wallet every time I watch one of these League Cup matches? Well, there's only one more League Cup match to go. It's going to be... Like I said, I feel a pretty exciting one considering the last time that these two teams played against each other, Liverpool and Manchester City. It was back in late November. It was towards the beginning of the cloptimistic phase for Liverpool fans. It was that 4-1 thumping of Manchester City at the Etihad. So I'm sure Man City will have something for Liverpool, something for the Reds on February the 28th at Wembley. We are exactly one month away from that match, a match that I am quite excited for. Let me know your take on the League Cup final at Nate WST. And again, get it all of us at World Soccer Talk. Kevin Egan, you might remember, you might know his work from BN Sports. All of you MLS fans might remember him as the voice of the Chicago Fire. So we'll take a little trip back to that and talk with Kevin about his pathway into broadcasting and his pathway to the United States, his pathway to the state of Illinois, his pathway to Miami. Some pretty, pretty funny stuff along the way. Can't wait to get this going. Kevin Egan with us on the other side of this break. World Soccer Talk Radio. Stick around. Now in the street there is violence. And I'm allowed to solve work to be done. No place to hang out or washing. And I'm not can't blame all on the sun. Oh no, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Oh, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. 
Welcome back to World Soccer Talk Radio. Nate Abarea here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Our guest in this edition of the show is a presenter and analyst at BN Sports and the former television voice of the Chicago Fire, Kevin Egan. Welcome to the show, man. Nate Abarea, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So I, I got to get to the immediate stuff. First off, we'll, we'll go in, go into memory lane mode a little bit later and talk about your pathway to the States and, and your work with the Big Ten Network going way back and your work with the Chicago Fire and all sorts of other good stuff that goes with that. But your coverage of the Capital One Cup semis over the last couple of days with the likes of Terry Lee and Gary Bailey. First off, you guys just knocked it out of the park, but I have to go actually back to the Liverpool-Stoke match the other day where I thought you and Gary were going to continue that argument over the offside call on the Stoke goal for at least another 15 hours or so. You guys were going toe-to-toe. It was gorgeous television, all in, in good thought and good motives. But talk about the, the coverage of, of that match and how much you guys are actually in disagreement about where the blame should have gone on that goal from Arnautovic for Stoke. It's what makes sport so beautiful, isn't it? The fact that we can see something and see it differently and yet still have a huge level of respect for what the other person thinks. Gary Bailey, I think, played 373 times for Manchester United, a wonderful goalkeeper. Uh, he's a great, great guy and a wonderful uh, brain when it comes to soccer. And just, we just disagree on certain things. It's as simple as that when you know, he'll see that and he'll say it's as basic as, no, it's blatantly offside, it shouldn't have counted. And I just felt that you know, the breakdown in the Liverpool defence is something that we've seen uh, consistently over the past 10 games or so uh, in, in strange moments in games where you least expect it. And uh, I felt that Jurgen Klopp in the dressing room would be more annoyed at the way his team was broken down by Stoke rather than the actual offside decision, which was clearly, it was clearly wrong from the official. Now, I must throw it to you right now. If you were playing for Liverpool or if you were part of a Liverpool staff in that situation, do you think you'd be uh, talking about the, the defence or would you be a little bit more blaming of the linesman? Oh, in terms of the media, absolutely. It's something Kay Murray touched on in the broadcast because Jurgen Klopp, if after the game, if he went to the media and said that was a blatantly, you know, it was a blatant long decision, very poor officiating, there's nothing wrong with that. something we've seen from Jose Mourinho over the years, and he's had an ability to get inside the mind of officials weeks in advance. Now, the final is on being sports. It's on the 28th of February, um, and it's going to be a wonderful one, Manchester City and Liverpool. And if Jurgen Klopp can, in the meantime, just point out the fact that his team were robbed, maybe, and point out the fact that maybe there was a huge decision went in favour of Manchester City. You just never know on the day how that sort of talking in the media can work with officials. Well, what do we think about that? You, you transitioned perfectly into this because there was, to say, some uh, controversial decisions in that Everton Man City second leg would, would be an understatement. Two massive goals in one, one in each of these uh, second leg semifinals. What does it say right now about the state of officiating maybe in, in England that this is, is going on? Is it just because we're, we're throwing such a magnifying glass over it? Or, or is there a, a serious problem? Because these were, in many ways, egregious mistakes by, by officials over the last couple of days. They were. And, and they, in all honesty, there was such a micro, uh, like you said, a microscope over it. And that was a huge decision at such a costly time of the game. And I feel really sorry for Everton fans because... 70 minutes in, you're winning the contest. Raheem Sterling brings the ball over the line, in my opinion, and then brings it back in. It wasn't spotted. However, I tend to, in some ways, stick up for a referee here and, and officials because you're asked to make 
what if it's 150, 200 decisions a match, say, let's just say, for example, and you might get one or two wrong, and it might happen every now and then. And I just feel those decisions will always be brought under that huge glass, and it's a little bit unfair. If you start introducing all sorts of technology into everything to do with the beautiful game of soccer, I just feel it would slow it down an awful lot. Now, it's, it's one of those ones that you'd have to sit me down and try and convince me that bringing in goal line technology for the ball going out of play is a must. Or bringing in other rules, for example. Like I, I saw someone uh, wrote an article a few days ago about bringing in a flag where a manager is able to throw a flag onto the pitch similar to uh, football here in the United States. And I just, I just shake my head a little bit. Maybe I'm just a bit of an old-fashioned person when I think that it's okay the way it is. Let's not try and fix it too much because the way that, the way that soccer flows... And the way that we know it's 90 minutes, you know you've got 245 in the additional time. It's a beautiful thing right now, and there's no point in messing with it too much. All right. Now, I, I, to, to sum all this up here, I have to say there was one comparison that came to mind, actually, and, and all of you uh, fans of the Spanish national team are going to be quite angry that I'm even bringing this up because it's such a heartbreaker. But that play with Raheem Sterling in the Man City-Everton match, the first thing that came to mind, and you might remember this as well, Kevin, being as, uh, as much of a scholar of the game as you are, the 2002 World Cup quarterfinal between Spain and South Korea. I have not seen a more egregious call or, or missed call on a similar play on a ball going over the end line should be out and, and not called out, and, and the play continues. Uh, and, and Nicole, this was obviously a, a little bit different, but I was thinking I haven't seen something that bad. Maybe actually the MLS Cup final uh, recently with another situation where a ball went out of play, was not called, a, a goal ended up being scored. You don't see that all too often in, in the high levels of world football, but this was a, a pretty bad one. And for those of you that didn't get a chance to watch the, uh, the Man City-Everton match, the second leg of that League Cup semi yesterday, I encourage every Everybody to go and check out the video of the the play that Kevin and I are referencing right now. And I, I got to go back though too. It's funny because because we op- we opened talking about the conversation with you and Gary. And one of the things that I really respected about it because that broadcast went on for what felt like hours. I mean, it it went on for almost yeah. three hours. It went all the way all the way to penalties. So you had all these times where it kept coming back to the studio. And every time you guys would have to to recap in case anyone's just tuning in and show how the one goal in this long tie was was actually scored and how it was offside. And by the, the fourth or fifth time that it shot back to the studio, Kevin, I felt like Gary had, had finally come around. He finally was actually understanding the points that you were making. So I just want to say credit to you for never backing away from your guns and actually sticking with your morals and sticking with your ethics of what you were trying to point out there, Kevin. Well, cheers, Nate. appreciate that. But I kept saying to him, Nate, even off camera, I said, you're a goalkeeper, Gary. Are you happy with the way your defense right in front of you has been torn to shreds? Are you happy with the way your fullback has dived in? Are you happy with your centre-half's effort to try and get back? And then eventually he started saying, yeah, okay, yeah, you've got a point. Okay, fair enough. And he started to come around a little bit. But that's what makes it beautiful. And it's what makes, I think, the locker room on BN Sports such a special show. Kay hosts a show and puts four uh, guys around her, people like Ray Hudson, Christian Vieri, Matteo Benetti, Andre Cordero, Gary Bailey, and basically puts them in a room and puts something out there. And you see some of the most natural debates and it's a loud flow, it's a loud blossom. And I think that's what makes the sport so wonderful, is that we can all debate it, yet when the, the camera um, shuts off at the end of the day, we still respect the person. We may disagree on something within a game, but after that, it's because we all love it that we respect them. 
Well, and the folks over at BN definitely put such an emphasis on quality analysis of of the matches themselves, not getting carried away with with too much else. Really focusing on the top notch analysis of the games. And by the way, in the opening of the show, I, I accidentally and and maybe it's a good accident, but I gave a, a tip of my cap to Terry Lee uh, for the coverage of that League Cup semi. It was actually Kay Murray hosting the show. But cheers to you as well, Terry. You also do some fantastic work over there at BN. I've been exactly. watching. I've been watching so much Serie A that. Terry Terry's just, you know, staying, staying on the show. She's staying in the, in the mix of things. And Kay, I, I love when we had Kay on the show and, and we asked her quite candidly. I remember asking her this of like, you know, is there any time on that locker room show where you wish you just, you, you had a whip or you had something, you had a mute button to take control of these things? What do you think it's like for her in, in a room of, and, and we were quite honest about this when, when Kay and I were talking, in a room of egos as big as that one sometimes when it's six or seven deep in terms of the footballing minds at those tables. You've gotten an up-close look of, of how things are working over there at BN. What do you think that's like for Kay when you've got the, the Ray Hudsons, the Christian Vieres, the, the Rude Hewlett's, other folks of, of that ilk all sitting around a table, and she has to control all of them and keep the thing going? It's, it's what makes Kay so special. Kay's knowledge of football is beyond incredible. Her knowledge of the world game is outstanding, and her ability as a TV presenter is top-notch as well. So I think, Nate, it's a level of respect. When you have a full-on argument, and sometimes these can turn into real, real arguments, where Ray will turn around and say, like last week he said to George DiMatteis, he just said, shut up, George, just shut up. And that happened. And, and, and Kay has got to monitor all this and be that mediator and facilitate it, but also close it down when need be. And I think it's that level of respect that when Kay says, okay, time to go, they may try and snip in one last comment, and Kay will give them a look, and they respect her. And it's a simple case of, right, zip the lip, Kay's told me to. It's like a school teacher. Kay's in charge, that's it. Proper smoggy. You better listen up, because she will throw the smack down. I'll tell you what, she is a true, true Borough supporter through and through. Cheers to you, Kay. Can't wait to get you back on the show sometime soon. All right, Kevin. I got to ask you now about the, uh, the, the League Cup final and, and this match that we're talking about here. We've got two minutes before we're going to head to our first break here. And who are you looking at as, as the favorites in this thing? Most people by league form would say Manchester City. But when you base it on the last time that these two teams played against one another, it was Liverpool 4, Manchester City 1 in that route at the Etihad. Who do you got your money on? Obviously, we're a month out, but a month out right now. Who would you be, who would you be placing the money on to win this whole thing? Liverpool. For the simple reason that I think Jurgen Klopp, given time, will start to really gel with this team. He'll start to get a better defensive unit together. We'll see if he does anything with the remaining time left in this transfer window. But I just feel Liverpool, come a big match day, uh, they're going to have a huge amount of support travel to London for this clash. Manchester City, this is their fourth major final in the past six years. Dare I say, it doesn't really mean maybe as much to a lot of these players as what it would mean to a lot of the Liverpool players who crave success. And I just think, given that it's Jurgen Klopp's first year in charge, he's only four months in the job, I have a feeling that they're going to get it done. And it's nothing more than a feeling, really, because on paper, Manchester City is a far superior team. Anyone that has Sergio Aguero leading the line and a player like Silva, De Bruyne, you know, it looks like he'll be out for that one. But uh, they've got such a talented team, but they give chances away every single game that you're just left shocked and shaking your head defensively. Otto Mendy's been... A, a real disappointment from what I thought he would be coming in from Valencia when he was so good alongside Mustafi last year. So we'll see. I, I have a funny feeling that Liverpool are going to do it, but it's more than it's nothing more than just a funny feeling for you. 
Such an interesting point that Kevin makes right there, and one that I have heard from a number of other respected football minds around the world and former Liverpool players, former English players who talk about something like the League Cup final, and you look at what this competition is in the grand scheme of a multi-competition season, and the sheer fact of this possibly meaning a little bit more to the Liverpool players than it would to the Manchester City players. Now, I'm not in the Manchester City dressing room, neither is Kevin, neither are any of these people saying this, so we can't say that like it's an absolute fact, but we would be led to believe that this match in a game like this one, in a competition like this one, it may mean a little bit more to the Liverpool squad and the Liverpool coaching staff than it does to Manchester City, who are worried about, you know, winning a Premier League title. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea and Kevin Egan here with you. Stay tuned. Listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Pretty good. Pretty damn good, that's Welcome back to the radio show. Thanks for listening to us live every weekday, Monday through Friday, right here on Sports Byline, 1 to 2 Pacific Time, 4 to 5 on the Eastern Seaboard. Subscribe to us in podcast form on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And, of course, check out the website, worldsoccertalk.com, where you can also listen to this very show on demand. My name is Nate Abarea. Kevin Egan of BN Sports is here with us. And, Kevin, it's time to... Take a little trip into the way back machine and talk about your pathway. Be- before we get to your pathway to BN Sports and your pathway to Major League Soccer, let's talk about your jump across the pond to begin with and how you actually came to the States, good sir. Yeah, I, I was, I'm from Dublin in Ireland, uh, but my mother is from Chicago, Illinois, and she was born and raised there. Most of my family is in Chicago. Um, so I've been back and forth to Chicago all my life. My parents met back in the 70s and lived in, lived in America for a while and moved us to Ireland. And uh, I've spent most of my summers coming out here to Chicago. Uh, so when I was working for the National Broadcaster back, I started working there in 2009, on the, on the, or sorry, 2004, on the Olympics. And after getting good experience and getting some good reps, doing some commentaries and reporting, um, both for radio and television, I just decided, you know what, I'm 23 I should make a jump. I should go abroad. I should, I should get some experience um, and travel and see the world. I was so young and I was single and just decided it was a good idea. So came across to America uh, to stay with my grandmother and worked uh, in an Irish pub for a few months until I got a job and eventually broke in. It was, such a, it was a very frustrating time uh, for the first few months of just not having any major success or anything with. Because when you're that young, I think you just expected it to happen for you straight away. If you just pound the pavement enough, it would happen. But in the end, I, I got lucky with uh, the Big Ten Network, brought me in as a graphics producer and said, can you, can you do graphics? And I shook my head and said, yeah, no problem, whatever you need, and hadn't really got a clue what I was doing. And just about got in the door there, and they had me working on Saturday football, where there's Big Ten games, the likes of Penn State, Indiana, and I'm doing graphics on American football. I, hadn't, I mean, this was the quickest learning experience I ever had to do in my life in order to survive. And just about, you know, survived. I made a few friends along the way that would help me out, explain to me what certain things were in football. 
and, and really try to get by. And I learned the trade and learned the craft of the production side of things here, here, in, here in the United States very fast. I had to, to survive. And then in the end, the Big Ten Network, I was really pushing to try and do some commentaries for them. And I was having a few roadblocks, but my studio boss, uh, I went to him and said, look, if I do a soccer show and I produce it and I present it and I put the graphics and the tapes together and everything, will you let me do it if I don't get in the way? And he said, I don't care what you do, just don't get in the way. So I convinced the director and I convinced a couple of the camera people and I convinced a buddy of mine to help me out. We basically started to put together a little online show called BTN Soccer Report. And from there, that led to an audition for the Chicago Fire for a sideline reporter. And one thing led, one thing led to another from there. And suddenly you were the, the television voice of, of the Chicago Fire for a bit of time. And we'll get to that in, in, in a little bit here. But I want to actually go back to something there. When you, you first came to Chicago, and you talk about within the first few months, you had a job making ends meet at, at an Irish pub in Chicago. I have to ask you about, about any conversations that you may remember from, from your days working at that pub. And when someone would ask you, hey, what the hell are you doing here? What are your plans? I mean, what, what were you telling them at that time, at the humble beginnings of your American safari? Honestly, just talking, I would talk to everybody because... I just figured that, you know what, one of these days someone's going to come in from a TV station or a radio station or a newspaper and someone's going to have some sort of connection. So you just chat away to everybody. And, you know, at least that's the great thing I think about Irish people when we travel is that there's a massive sense of community when you go away and you do generally try to help someone. And I've had so many Irish people come to America since that will reach out and that will say, look, any contacts in this city or can you help me out in any way with a contact for this or have you any advice? And it's wonderful. It's a brilliant sense of community that we all rely on each other. Somewhere along the line, we all help each other. And it's the same with this industry that we're in, in broadcasting, both you and I, is that, you know, you'll, you'll always need a helping hand from someone, and you'll always offer that helping hand back. And in the Irish pub, it was exactly that. I, I got a job. I was serving shepherd's pies and pints of Guinness, and it was great. It was a few months there. I actually met my, uh, my now wife. I got married in September. And Megan was in college at the time. I was 23, she was 21, she was working over in a little coffee shop uh, across the street, a little local coffee shop, and it was my first day there, and I was just chatting to her and, and got, um, got talking and started going out, you know, now we're married, so thank God for the Irish pub. So you working at the Irish pub, in, in some ways you could say is partly responsible for you meeting your now wife. Yeah, it's responsible for everything right now, because I think my now wife gave me the patience to stick it out and persevere in the United States rather than going back to national broadcaster. I got offered a job back as a national broadcaster in May, and I had moved here in June, and I ended up getting the job at the Big Ten Network in August. So I probably would have taken the job and moved back to Ireland had I not worked in the Irish pub and met my now wife. So it's funny how, it's funny how life works. You, know, you, just, you don't expect things like that to happen. But when they do, I suppose it's just a case of recognizing what it is, what it is and taking advantage of it. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful, and and we got to give the pub uh, its its just due here. What is the name of this pub, and and when are we meeting in Chicago and and having a few Guinnesses? Exactly, the, the Cora Irish Pub in Edison Park in Chicago. And anytime you want, Nate, I'll fly in, meet you there, and we'll uh, we'll share a few stories over a few points. <laughs> I look forward to. Who who were some of the other colorful characters in your time at the at the Irish Pub in Chicago that you remember to this day? Oh, plenty of good characters throughout. All people, you know, that have gone on, and we've always kept in touch, actually. Great stories, you know, from even closing up the bar and, and, and having a few pints and a laugh afterwards. That was always a good laugh. But 
just so many characters in Chicago, and that's what made moving to Miami an emotional trip because in, in a few years there, we, we genuinely developed, I developed so many like, best, close friends, uh, you know, living with uh, Americans, living with Irish, living with English. We have a, a, a football team in Chicago we call Horsebox United where we all play, and it's a mixture of Irish, American, Scottish, English, Canadian, you know, you name it. We're all on that team, and it's just this wonderful community. So that's probably what made moving away so difficult. But at the same time, it was an opportunity to come and work for a great place like being sports. Uh, and that's something I was never going to turn down. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break, as well as Kevin's time with the Chicago Fire. And we'll also talk about the current state of the Chicago Fire, a club that is in a little bit of off-the-field turmoil and on-field struggle uh, that's been going on for a few years now. We'll talk about the current state of that club. We'll talk about what's going on with BN Sports here looking forward in the near and distant futures and get a little more fun background on Kevin's career in broadcasting. Kevin Egan is his name. My name is Nate Abare. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Again, tweet us your take on the show at World Soccer Talk and tweet me at Nate WST. We're back after this right here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay with us. Listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. This man is absolute magic that belongs in a different galaxy altogether. Keeping it magisterial, keeping it 100 right here on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Cannot wait to get Mr. Hudson back on the show sometime soon. We are here with Kevin Egan, also of BN Sports. And before we talk a little bit more about what's going on at BN, we got to talk about Kevin's pathway. We already talked about the pathway. We talked about the arrival at the Chicago Fire and working uh, as, as a television voice for the Fire for... For quite a while, for was was it one full season or was it two full seasons, Kevin? I know it started back around 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was it was actually three full seasons and a few games in the it was the 2012 season, I believe. So uh, yeah, 2013, 14, 15, and then part of the 2012 as well. So talk about when you when you first arrived, what you were expecting as someone who obviously you had so much Chicago roots and, and it wasn't your your first rodeo in America by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, being a, a well-traveled Irish man with, with perspectives of soccer from from across the pond, what you were expecting when you first showed up to work doing the sideline reporting and eventually the uh, the television play by play for the Chicago Fire, what you were expecting and what you ended up maybe realizing. Uh, at first in your in your first time there yeah it was a strange one at the start because well first and foremost being you know back and forth from chicago pretty much most of my life and being here since 2009 i was a chicago fire fan and i and i checked out the team a lot so i knew a fair bit about the team before i started uh, but from pushing myself and trying to get in the door the, the door there i got an audition as a sideline reporter and got and got a gig um, for a few games and then I got an offer in 2012 to go back and work on the European Championships in Europe. So I had to take that. I wasn't committed to the fire for the year anyway. Um, but when the opportunity came about, when Evan Whitfield, who was the color commentator, had to go to a wedding, and I got a phone call to say, will you fill in for Evan? I did, and I went well. And then the following season, uh, they hired me on as the color commentator, working alongside Dan Kelly, who's a fantastic play-by-play guy. Uh, in Chicago, and we worked really, really well for three years, like an older brother, um, working with Dan. 
So it was just a wonderful experience. I knew a lot about Chicago. Learning the intricate details of Major League Soccer is, is, is fascinating because it's something that people over and around the world don't really experience. When you come to Major League Soccer and you have to figure out all the different ways uh, of acquiring a player, for example, and what, what are you using nowadays, whether it's general allocation money or targeted allocation money. Or, well, you know, there's so many different ways that it's so hard to explain, but learning all about that side of things was difficult. Aside from that, I love the football because it's frantic. Major League Soccer is end-to-end. It's, it's a lot of athletic players. We're starting to see the more intricate um, methodical players come in now um, into this league, and I just think it's a great league that's growing so, so fast. Uh, to the point where sometimes you nearly think, listen, don't get ahead of yourself. You're, you're onto a winner here. Don't burn it by trying to go too fast. Um, but I think, you know, it was just a joy from the get-go. And working with Chicago Fire was brilliant. From, uh, from day one, honestly, working with the Fire was an absolute pleasure. I just hope for that club's sake they can get back to winning ways. Well, you talk about getting back to winning ways, and I'm also glad that you you point out your background, that you actually knew about the Chicago Fire for, for quite a while and their, their roots in this league and, and going back to the, the success and the, the roots in the late 90s and, and the history of just soccer in general in the city of Chicago. And that transitions into where the Fire are at right now. And, and I, I keep in touch on through through Twitter and other forms of social media with a fair amount of supporters in, in Chicago. And, and there's a lot of, of, dare I say, disgust about the way that the club has been run off the pitch and how that's affected what's gone on on the field. First off, the, the Toyota Park situation, which is this great facility. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I said, this place is absolutely magic. Obviously, I wasn't from from the Chicago area, so I didn't understand the problem that a lot of people had about how isolated this stadium is. Now, a lot of people feel that it's actually taken away from true Chicago roots and true Chicago pride and passion by placing this thing out in Bridgeview, which, if I'm not mistaken, not mistaken, is about a 40, 45-minute drive from the Chicago city center. There's there's that aspect of it, and then there's a, a whole laundry list of, of off-field situations that have kind of plagued the team over over the last couple of years. How do you feel about the, the location of Toyota Park? And how do you also feel about some of the things that you've seen from afar now that you're not working directly with the club and, and the way the team is, has been run over, over the last few seasons? Yeah, well, there's, there's three things for me that stand out. When you're trying to build a successful franchise, you need good stadium location. You need high-quality players in terms of recruiting fans and bringing fans out there, maybe even name recognition, and then you need a winning team. And let's be honest, Chicago has not had any of those three of late. They certainly haven't had the stadium location because it's not in Chicago, it's in Bridgeview, which is, by the way, only 25 minutes now, that's on a good day, from the city of Chicago, uh, downtown Chicago. It's just not in a good location, though. There's not the, I think the hope originally was that the stadium would be built and then Bridgeview would completely and utterly blossom around the stadium in terms of bars, restaurants, infrastructure, and it hasn't happened. There's no public transportation to Toyota Park, and that is a massive issue. It's one road in and out of Harlem, uh, Harlem Avenue, and it's a difficult one. In terms of the players, this, the, the top-class players haven't been brought to Chicago yet. Uh, there's been the best player in my recent memory at Chicago was Arne Friedrich, who had 82 caps for the German national team, a wonderful defender, but was at the end of his career and had a lot of injury problems. Uh, Sean Maloney came in. Last year, Sean Maloney, who I think is a, is a fantastic footballer, who Chicago 
didn't see the best of. I still think he's a very good player, but that, that didn't work out. Um, and now he hasn't done too well for Hull either, so it hasn't really worked out for him. But And then the last thing is just the, the winning team, and, and that's something that simply hasn't happened. One playoff appearance, I believe, since 2009 is simply not acceptable for a city like Chicago. Chicago is such a huge sports town. And for anyone in that city not to know who the Chicago Fire is, is not right. And the stadium location has a huge part to play in that, but even more so than that. And I'll point out Sporting Kansas City as an example. Their stadium is far away. Their stadium is not in Kansas, from what I believe. And, and they put out, and have put out, a winning team and a, a very competitive team over the past few years without superstars. They haven't brought in a Didier Drogba, but they've won games, and they've brought in a passionate fan base that have come to the stadium out of their way. They've driven to the stadium because their team competes at such a high level. Now, Chicago this year, it looks to me like Velko Panovic and Nelson Rodriguez. They certainly won't be changing the stadium location, and it looks like they're not going to bring in any big names this year. But what I hope they can do is develop a winning mentality and a really good atmosphere in the locker room for Chicago, and that this team will be proud to represent Chicago and the great city that it is. Because from living there for so long, and my, like I said, my family's from Chicago, to me, it's the best city in the world. And I, I know how passionate people can be about their sports. And there should be no issue selling out Toyota Park if this team becomes a winning team. And Velko Panovic is someone who's won at U20 level, won the World Cup with Serbia. He seems like an incredibly good motivator and a passionate guy. Who knows what his credentials will be like, say, for me, a year from now in terms of the fire because he's, he's a new coach and his staff are very young. Logan Paz uh, is a young coach. And uh, Mitrovic, the other coach, Marco Mitrovic, is a very young guy as well. If they can turn it around, Chicago will go with this. Chicago will support this team 100% of the way. But they've got to become a winning team. And it has to happen sooner rather than later because fans are sick and tired of seeing a result like last year, finishing 20th out of 20 teams, is simply unacceptable. How have you felt about some of the actions and, and some of the displays, some of the words from various fan groups in Chicago who have been with this club through thick and thin, who are really at the end of their wits and are finally making their voices heard, making their presence known in terms of, of their dissatisfaction and the level of their dissatisfaction with this club on, on a lot of levels, not the least of which being the front office. How have you felt about some of the, the recent actions and words from the supporters themselves, Kevin? The fans have every right to say, honestly, whatever they want. And that's the truth of it. If they're, if they're the customers and if they're buying their season tickets, they have every right to vent frustration at the front office or at ownership or at the players. Having worked there and knowing ownership and knowing the front office, they're good people. They really are really good people who hearts are in the right place. Now it needs to come down to actions. And Chicago needs to start bringing in the right players, Big-name players, if they can, if it's a good fit. Nelson Rodriguez has spoke about bigger-name DPs and being the final piece of his jigsaw. That has to happen, and, and this jigsaw needs to come together because the league starts March 6th, and Chicago really hasn't have a, uh, doesn't have a full roster by any means. and It's, it's not a good enough roster right now, uh, let alone a very young roster. So, so big moves have to happen for this team. But the fans, in all honesty, Nate, have every right to say what they want. They take it to social media. I would prefer, you know, you see faceless eggs on Twitter that no one knows who these accounts are and they vent and they say horrible things about people. I can't stand that because if you're going to say something, put your face out there, put your name out there, be brave enough to say what you want to say to some certain person. Um, and, and it has to come from both sides. The Chicago Fire needs to do a good job in terms of its relationship with the fans. 
And I think, you know, in time, it'll happen. It'll improve. I think the right people are there right now. And let's just give it this season and really see how this goes for the fire. And definitely look forward to seeing how it goes for the fire and, and what changes are going to be made, how it's a, maybe a much longer project of change than a lot of people would like to admit, than a lot of people may have patience for. But it is what it is in that regard, and we shall see what 2016 brings for the Chicago Fire and definitely look forward to talking more about it with Kevin Egan on this very show. And i got to ask you about that, too, because it's funny. We were talking about this yesterday, uh, Kevin, in, in that – the, the situation over at BN Sports is you have such a wide range of soccer minds from so many different parts of the world. And, you know, even, even when our, our friend Ian Joy was, was at BN for so long, we've had all of these people here on the show about Ian Kay, Terry Lee, Phil Shane, Ray Hudson. And you guys are so busy covering a million different things that, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily get to cover the, the Chicago fire anymore in your, in your, in your time at BN Sports, you know, uh, uh, K K would love to cover nothing but but Middlesbrough and Real Madrid in in, in her time <laughs> at BN. Obviously, she's got a million other assignments to cover and and do her best work on. What's that like for you guys balancing your personal love for the game and and your various unique personal loves for for your clubs or for your country or or whatever it may be? With hey, I got to get work done. I've got some big assignments to do here that I need to also be interested in. Because you guys are such a diverse staff over there, Kevin. It's Nate. It's such a good point you bring up because, look, at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all lovers of the game. We all have our childhood memories of having a specific team, say, for example. So our green room is so funny on Saturday morning. You could come up. Gary's obviously a Manchester United fan. Kay is a Middlesbrough fan, true and true. Um, and she's not, many people will think she's a big Real Madrid fan. She obviously has love for Real Madrid because she worked there, but she's, she's very well balanced when it comes to La Liga. Uh, but I, I was an Aston Villa fan as a child, growing up with a lot of the Irish players played for Aston Villa, and now you see Brad Guzan, who's a Chicago boy, uh, representing Aston Villa as well. Eric Lehigh was there too, recently. Um, but we, we all have an interest in our games going on, but there's not enough time. There is no time at the weekends to invest in watching your own team, because we cover Serie A, we cover uh, La Liga, we cover Liga, we cover uh, some of the CONCACAF games now, Comma Ball, there's always something going on on the extra on the weekends. It's our match of the day show where we cover the Premier League in great detail as well. So we have to be all-rounders in terms of the leagues. And it's difficult because, I'll be honest, before I worked at being sports, I would follow La Liga, I would follow Liga, and I would follow Serie A, but not to the extent that I need to now and not to the extent that I want to now. Because naturally I would cover Major League Soccer, and I, and I was obsessed by the league and obsessed by the Premier League, and I would, I would love to watch La Liga whenever I could, but it wasn't a priority. Now I've just garnered this great respect for La Liga, and this season Serie A has been exceptional to watch as well. What Napoli are doing under Sarri and Higuain is, is something to behold. But it's just trying to balance everything you know, is not easy. And then if you do a show at the end of a weekend... There's no way you can watch every single game. But you just have to be fair about it. You have to obviously try and watch. Uh, you'll have watched every single highlight. You'll have looked into the game in as much depth as possible before you go on air. But it's something that it makes for good TV because we're, we're, always, we're always running around. We're always on the ball. We're trying to be uh, as best we can possibly be. And it's just so busy. But it's so much fun. And that's what makes working on the weekends so much fun. People say, how do you work weekends? But when you sign up to work in sports, that's what you want. That you want to work when the games are going on. It's the most fun. 
Well, absolutely. And you guys are doing great work every weekend, every midweek day, whatever it may be. Cheers to everybody over there at BN Sports. Great friends of this show and folks who have given us so, so much of of their time, Kevin, you and and everyone else that I've already named uh, here in in this edition of the show. And hey, we've only got 30 seconds before we got to let you go here. So real quickly, again, the name of that pub that we're meeting at in, in Edison Park in Chicago. It's the Carl Irish Pub, but honestly, we can meet at any Irish pub you want. There's a couple here in Miami, Nate. If you want to come down and come in to be in sports, we'll show you around. Uh, we'll give you the grand tour of the red carpet. Come down and visit us. And can I just say a huge thank you to you, Chris, everyone on your team for, for putting together this show. It's fantastic listening. I love listening in. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Kevin, thank you oh so much. I really appreciate that. Again, that right, was well, Kevin. Again, that was Kevin Egan, presenter and analyst at BN Sports, former voice, former color commentator for the Chicago Fire. We're back after this, taking the express train home real quick right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. Just a nice little acoustic breeze all the way to the finish line. We're going to rest. We're going to take our hands above our head, take a deep breath in, and bring it right back out. Good stuff. I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this show every day. And tomorrow, we've got a very special treat for you. We had a proud Irishman today on the show. Another huge thank you to Kevin Egan of BN Sports for joining us. We'll be sure to get Kevin on again sometime soon. And another thank you to everybody over there at BN Sports who have treated me like I'm some kind of big celebrity since the day I took this show on and, and that is just beyond flattering it is it is truly invigorating thank you so much to everybody at BN but tomorrow a proud Scotsman with us and a Liverpool legend Stevie Nickel tune in for that one cannot wait to talk with Stevie tomorrow right here on World Soccer Talk Radio Nate Avarea signing off bye